Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts 1. You can open there with me today. We're going to kind of uh, stick through this as we continue on with our encounter uh, series. <clears throat> Excuse me. As you know, uh, we've been talking about this, and we got this idea really from the book Insanity of God that the staff and I are going through together. It's about a guy's story of missions work to Somalia. A lot of you guys probably remember Somalia in the 90s and how rough it was, and I remember being in school and, and you know, Channel One every morning and them talking about Somalia and all the things that they were going through, and he was a missionary during that time, and he really has three encounters with God. When he's 17 years old, he, he had the Spirit come upon him, he had a connection, and God asked him to follow him, and he made a decision that day that he was no longer going to be about himself, but that he was going to follow God, and we talked about that last week, and if you were not here, I highly recommend um, you get a hold of that teaching. You can get online uh, and find it on our website. I believe it's also on our app, and so you can uh, get on that and, and, and listen to that, because that's going to tie into a lot of what we're talking about today. So he has that first encounter. Then he has the second encounter with God while he's in college, and he realizes that he is called to go, and that's when he's sent out to do uh, missions work. And then his third encounter with God is when he's faced with this idea of going into Somalia. All of the Christian people around him are saying, I don't think you should go. It's not safe. You have three children and are married, and you got to think of them. And he had to come to the conclusion or the decision on whether he was willing to face his death for the cause of Christ. And so it's over a, a, a large span of time, but he faces all three of those. And we can see this same type of encounter in the New Testament with the disciples. And it's over a long span of time as well. And that's one of the things that I really want us to understand, that our Christian faith is a process, church, that it doesn't usually just click and overnight you've gone to being there. There is no such thing as arrive. There's no such thing as being there. You can't beat Christianity. You can't conquer it. So it's a process. And in that process, there are these different encounters uh, that we face with God. And the first one is what we talked about last week, and it's follow me. There's a scripture that we used where the disciples came into contact with Jesus, and his, his words were, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We talked about what it means to follow, what it means to, or the promise that God will make you, and then fishers of men. And so we talked about that. But we didn't go into real detail on what it means to, to follow. And I want to talk about that a little bit more before we get into this idea of go, because I think that's where most of us are in our walk with God. Most of us aren't to the place of being sent. We're, we're, we're being discipled so that we can go out. The Bible uses the word equipped, and we're going to see it uh, in a couple of scriptures. We are being equipped to do the works of the Lord. And that's our job, is to equip you, not so you can sit comfortably on your butts for 40 years. It's so that you can go out and do the work of God. That's what you're supposed to do. There is a time. There is a process. There is a time of growth and development that has to take place. And then we get to the place where we are sent. Now, I had a wrestling tournament at the beginning of this year, and it's one of the toughest wrestling tournaments that we do, and it is our second tournament of the year. And I gave five boys the weekend off. I told them, don't go. Go ahead, go home. We'll start practice next Monday. That was Friday night. You don't have to wrestle at this tournament. Not because I don't don't think that they'll be great wrestlers, but they weren't ready yet to face those kids. They weren't ready yet. It was too tough. It was an intense moment. 
you guys can go. I don't want your confidence to be defeated, and I don't want you to get beat up. So just go home and relax for the weekend. You see, and it's cool because God has that same thing with the disciples. They followed Jesus for years, years. And in following Jesus, they didn't just sit on their butts. They did a whole bunch of stuff, but they were all under his protection, under his umbrella during that time. But how many people know that Jesus went to be with the Father and then the disciples? Well, they had to go and they had to work the works of the ministry as well. And we're going to see how that happened and how that played out here. Father, we're thankful for what you've done in our hearts and lives. And Lord, I ask that you will continue to lead and guide us as we dive into your word. We want to see and recognize your truth. And I, I pray that your spirit would mix with the Holy Spirit inside of us. And every person is on a, uh, on a different journey. They're on a different path right now. And Father, I pray that wherever they are, that your spirit would touch them mightily today. And that it would come in contact with that. And that it would move us the direction you have for us. Lead us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Beth Moore shares a story, and uh, I, I really like it. Mom sends me different teachers throughout the week and, and different clips from time to time for me uh, to listen to. And interestingly enough, she sends me a lot of women's ministry lessons, uh, which is fun. She's like, oh, this is super good. I'm like, yes, it is. Uh, it's for women, but I, I'll, I'll listen, and I do. And I enjoy uh, so much of what they have to say. But Beth Moore tells this story. And it's just a fantastic story about this dog that was pregnant. And during her pregnancy, she lost her back legs. And I can't remember how and what exactly happened, but she lost her back legs. And so they take her to the vet. And um, the vet says, you know what, we'll stitch up the legs and she will be able to have the children and, and, and be able to take care of them for the time that, you know, they need it. And they'll, they'll, you know, she'll be able to nurse them and everything will be fine uh, with the babies. And so they do that. And, and it's a short amount of time, and the dog learned to move, right? Learned to use its front paws and just kind of drug its butt on the ground, and it's made its way around, and it kind of worked and, and went through life that way. And it had its, its children and was able to nurse them. And one of the really interesting things that they found was that the children didn't use their back legs and that they would walk around the same way mom did, just dragging themselves around to kind of feed and do what they had to do. And she said that that really concerned her because, you know, those, those legs are, are valuable and important. And, and the injury of the mom went on to the children because they imitated her. And Beth Moore talked about how she was concerned about the abuse that she had experienced in her past and those wounds and injuries being fed down to her kids. And as she was telling this story, you know, I had these things going through my mind and, and these lessons that uh, we can learn from this principle, from this part of the story. And the first one is this, that be careful who you imitate, right? Because we are called to be imitators of Christ, not imitators of the world. And, and when we learn to imitate Christ, then other people who are coming up behind us can be imitators of us. Paul says this, be an imitator of me as I imitate Christ. You see, when we become imitators of the world, we, we feed other people other things. And so we have to be very, very careful who we're modeling our lives after. It's not Hollywood, amen? Like it's Christ. It's not Hollywood. I don't, I don't want to necessarily look like those people on TV. I can't. I'm five foot, you know, uh, ten, five foot ten, and, um, <laughs> and, you know, I just don't, you don't, you don't do that, right? We watched uh, the NCAA wrestling tournament last night, 
and it was awesome. NCAA Division I wrestling. Anybody get a chance to watch that? Anybody? No? Just us. Okay. Because we care about wrestling. So it was super fun because these guys are just amazing athletes. And I mean, they go out there and they just battle, 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 battle. And um, this guy, Kyle Snyder, who's a Ohio State heavyweight, is just a mountain of a man, just massive. He's the Ohio State heavyweight. Ohio State got second. Penn State got first. But thank God we still beat Michigan. That's all I got to say about that. <coughs> Anyways, Darren, first service was like, Andy, you have to mention that Michigan's ahead of Ohio State in basketball. And I'm like, yeah, but that's basketball. Nobody cares about basketball. So <laughs> anyways, so moving on. So we're watching this. And Kyle Snyder is wearing a, a long-sleeve FCA T-shirt. And he goes out and he wins the national championship. He's a three-time national champion. And he's huge. And they interview him. And the first thing he says is, I have to give all glory to Jesus Christ. And he said that. And I just, it just made my day. But what made my day even more was that my oldest boy asked for a t-shirt, FCA, just like Kyle Snyder's. And here's what we know, right? People are watching us. They are. And so the first thing we learn is, is we have to be an imitator of Christ. Be careful who you imitate. Second thing is, there are people watching, coming up behind us, that are paying attention to what we are doing. And, and we need to make sure that we are imitators of Christ so that when people imitate us, they are imitating Christ, just like Paul addressed in that picture now these guys are huge and i have to say this i was watching this with my nephew and he come in and goes oh my gosh those guys aren't that big aren't that big are you kidding me the guy he was wrestling is six foot five 283 pounds he got a cut on his head and the doctor was doing this <laughs> to fix his forehead i'm like that anyways that's besides the point <laughs> junior high kids delusional it's just an, it's just another story uh, but it was, it was awesome to see. And so we have to be careful who we imitate. And we have to understand that people are watching us. And the third thing that we have to do that we can see by the, the, the dog and, and the injuries is we have to trust in the grace of God to fill our gaps. Don't we? Church, we have to trust that God will take the place of whatever is missing. And you know what the Word says? The Word says that His grace is sufficient for you. Praise Jesus for that because... In my parenting, I have gaps. As a husband, I have gaps. As a leader and a minister, I have gaps. And thank God for my weaknesses because it says where I'm weak, he is strong. So I will praise him and boast even more in my weaknesses than in my strengths. Because in those gaps where Christ fills, that's where real redemption, that's where real, real power, real, real things, real life change can happen. And so those are the three things that we can really pick up from that. So we, we are imitators of Christ. How do we do this? One, we listen to what he says, right? How do we be imitators of Christ? We listen to what he says. Church, we have one of the greatest resources that the early church didn't have, and that's the Bible. That's the word of God that we have right here. And, and the scripture tells us that, that God looked down and said, this is my beloved son, Jesus. Listen to him. That's what the scripture says in Mark 9, 7. Listen to him. His words are powerful, are life-changing, and we have to soak those words up. Man, we got to soak them up. They've got to be a part of our lives. The Bible tells us to hang them around our necks, post them around our doorways, talk about them at our dinner tables. They need to be, they need to be a huge part of our lives. But it's not just the talking, 
Right, church? The Bible tells us that if we just talk and we don't do, it's pointless. And that we will be blessed in our doing. That's what it says in James. And so what do we have to do as well? We have to do what he does. To be an imitator, we listen to what he says. And we do what he does. You know, it's, it's interesting how being an imitator really, really works. And how the specific things that people do. We play Simon Says, right? Simon Says, lift your right arm and people do it. And, and we've got to be able to take in the good of what Christ has and do it and be able to block out the bad, the stuff in our life that we're not supposed to do. We're supposed to be able to do that. When Simon doesn't say, Andy doesn't do. Let's put Jesus in there. When Jesus doesn't say, Andy doesn't do. And so that's the, that's the things that we're supposed to pay attention to. We not just listen to what he says, but we do what he does. And the last thing is, we go where he is. Now church, this is where we're at, right? Most of us are in this follow phase. And just like the disciples, we need the protection that the church has to offer. Because we are not ready to be sent. You see, Jesus specifically tells his disciples in Luke and in John that they need to go and they need to wait for the Holy Spirit. That they need to wait. Don't go yet. Wait for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be with the Father, and it is to your advantage, that's what he says, that I go. We're going to read this scripture in a minute. Because the Holy Spirit will come, and when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. Wait for him. And that's the second encounter. That's what we come to in Acts 1, is the second encounter, and we're going to read briefly in Acts 2. The second encounter the disciples have with God, which leads them to the place where they are sent. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. He ordered them, I want to read that again, verse 4. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's read 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now at this point, Peter, who's in Jerusalem, he preaches the gospel and thousands of people get saved. Thousands. But they waited for the Holy Spirit. And so in this scripture, there are a couple of things that we picked up 
that we can really, really learn from this. One is church, it's okay to wait. It's okay for a time to be soaking up and to allow yourself to be equipped for the good works that God has called you to do. That is okay. Now, once again, just like the disciples, it's not that I'm going to sit on my butt and do nothing because you are a participant. You are a Christian. There are things that you just do based on your faith, based on who you are. Now, we work and we do what we can. We put our hands to things, but we do it with the protection of the church. We do it a lot in this building with other believers. Why? Because we're not quite ready. And it's okay to wait. Know where you're at. Know what God has for you. Take this, the next step. Here's one of the things that, that it just it has bothered me for a long time. As people ask all the time, you know, I, or tell me, I just want to know what the will of God is for my life. If I knew the will of God, I would do fill in the blank. And, and the truth is, guys, that 99.9% .9 of the will of God is written in this scripture. It's there. All you have to do is read his word, and then it will come and you do what it does. What we want is not the next step or not the little things that are in your scripture. We want our life plan laid out in front of us, don't we? We want that big thing. But I'm telling you, he's given us the next step. If I asked you questions, you would know the answer to those questions. Church, is it the will of God for us to forgive others? Yes, it is. It's the will of God. Why? Because it says it in his word. And it says that he first forgave us. Church, is it the will of God that we be generous? Yes, because the Bible tells us to give unto others and it will be given to us. It tells us to give over and over and over and over again. Does the Bible tell us, or is it the will of God, that we take care of widows and orphans? Yes. I mean, you can come across all these things. Is it the will of God for us to be kind? Yes. The Bible tells us it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. We know that it's his will to be kind. We understand his will. And the Bible tells us that if we're faithful in little, he will make us ruler over much. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. But we have to learn to be faithful in little. When God has a step for us to take, we take that step. And that is his will. And so we know that. And so we don't need this giant picture. We just need the next step. And as we take the next step, we will see some amazing things happen. Another thing that we can pull out from this section of Scripture is this. There is no if in this Scripture. It's not if the Spirit comes upon you. I want to read a couple of these because they're just super powerful. Verse 4. While he was with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. To wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you restore? And he said in verse 7, it is not for you to know the time or the season. And in verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. This isn't like a, oh, maybe, oh, sometime, if. No, this is, this is a will. This is a when. This is a matter of time. And we have a promise that it's going to happen. And if you will wait and allow the Holy Spirit to equip you, you will receive power. And I want us to get to the point, church, 
where we are uncomfortable not fulfilling our ministry. That we are uncomfortable just sitting and being equipped. I want us to be equipped because there's a time for that. And, and if you're in that time, that's awesome. But I want us to get to the place where we have all the equipment and we are sitting in our armor, the armor of God, in the seats, and it's too uncomfortable to sit. I have to go and fight. Why? Because I've got the armor on and it is heavy and just sitting here is driving me nuts. So I have to go out and I have to fight. And that's where I'm hoping we can be as a church. That we get to that place where the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness is all on us to the point where we have to go out and we have to battle. Where there's no longer any waiting because it's heavy and I'm just sitting here carrying it and holding it and it's doing me no good to sit here. In fact, it's uncomfortable sitting here in my armor. But it's not when you're on the battlefield. And so we have to go and we have to fight. So it's a win, not an if. And here's the, the, the other thing that we can see here. Is it spirit power, not willpower? Aren't you thankful for that? It's spirit power, not willpower. And I believe that's one of the things that, that Lori talked about. Is that, you know what, it's about his spirit, not about your will. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah that if we wait upon the Lord, he will renew our strength. And I think that's really interesting because here's what happens. We get weary when we're fighting in willpower. But when we're fighting in spirit power, it talks about he will renew our strength, that we will mount up with wings as eagles. We will, we will run, not be weary. We will walk and not faint. See, that's what the power of God does for us. The power of my will, it's finite and it wears out. I know that because at the first of the year every year, I decide that I'm going to eat healthy and exercise. And by the 15th of January, I have decided that that is of the devil and no longer for me. Because my willpower has run out. But spirit power, that's infinite. That goes on. And when God fills us up, we can't help but be poured out. And that's what we want to get to is that place where we are living in the spirit, where we are connected to the vine. And then all that fruit is just out there for everyone to be able to get. That's where we want to be. And the Bible tells us that it is the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit that when it comes upon you, you will be a witness. So once again, we got to go where the spirit is because we got to soak it up. Soak it up. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit like Jesus says right here and allow the spirit to work through you john 16 7 through 14 i'm going to flip there because i'm not i'm not going to read all that but if you want to write it down you can because this is what jesus says to them and this is really cool because he tells them about the helper that is going to come he talks to them about that before um, the acts part he talks to them about it before so in verse 7 he says this Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Who will convict the world? See, he will. He is already preparing the world for the work that you're going to do. And that's neat. That's neat. You will come in contact with people. And I heard this story, and it was a cool story, where a guy, he said he walked into a restaurant, and there was a man there that was just vile. His mouth was just filth. And the stuff coming out of it was horrible. 
And he walked up to him and said, I just feel in my spirit that you are questioning who God is and you want to know. And he goes, I am. And he started crying. And the guy was able to witness to him right there. And, and the spirit was working on that man's heart before the guy came in contact with him. That's cool. He's preparing. He's convicting the world. And now what we do is fill up with the Holy Spirit, and we get to go out and connect with those things that the Spirit is already doing. And that's cool. That's super cool. So anyways, Spirit power, not willpower. He will convict the world. And when the Spirit comes upon us, we will have power to be witnesses. That's what the Word says. And that's the fourth thing, that we will have the power to be witnesses. Now, this is really cool in this section. We see that Peter was able to minister right where he was, right? This isn't about location, right? This is about heart change. This is about, you know, what's happening right there. You can go without leaving, right? And your call, your ministry, your mission might just be to the family that you are living with right now. And it might be a struggle for you. I don't know. Everybody's story is a little different. But it might be a struggle for you to come to church and to go home because there's just a battle with it. But maybe God is preparing your heart and filling you up with the Holy Spirit and equipping you to be able to minister to whatever is going on at home. And maybe that's why you're here. I don't know. And you might go and get to that place where you're sent by the Holy Spirit without leaving at all. And what we have to do is be attuned to the Holy Spirit because that section of Scripture tells us that what the Spirit hears, He shares with us and that we can talk through the words that He gives us. And once again, it's not about our power, but about Spirit power. And so it's not necessarily about location. It might be for you. Some of you might already have a nudging in your spirit that you've been equipped to go to long-term missions trip across countries, borders, and you're sitting, and I hope, I hope that this message makes you uncomfortable. Because I don't want anybody in this building sitting in their armor, not going out for battle. If you have been equipped and the armor is on, I want, I want to minister with you, to send you, to go do the, the work that God has called you to do. That, that's what we feel like our job is, church. That we feel like our job as a staff is to take people, to pull them in, to give them the gospel, to help them be a follower of Jesus, and then to get them to the place where they are equipped, where they go out and they do ministry on their own. And once again, that might not be a different location. You might stay here. But whatever it looks like, that's what we want. And that is our goal for you. My prayer comes from Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. And this is my prayer for every person in here. When I was putting this together, this verse just spoke to my heart and I hope it's a word that speaks over you. It says, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, I pray that God is equipping you, this God of peace that raised Jesus from the dead, that he is equipping you with everything good that you will be able to go and do his will. 
Yeah, it's a process, and yeah, it might take time, but we want to get to that place where every person in this room is sent, where they are going. They might not change locations, but they are fulfilling the will of the Lord for their lives. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time that we get to dive into your word. We praise you for your truths. We ask that you will lead us in everything we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Why? Why would we follow this Jesus, this man that lived thousands of years ago? And I, and I find it in one simple scripture. It's in Revelations 21, verse 4. It says this. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. This is why I follow Jesus, and this is why I also go. It's because in this earth and on this earth, we will face trials and tribulations. We will have hurt. We will have pain. We will have so many things. But why we follow Jesus is because he will wipe away our every single tear. So if we are going through hard times here, there's something to look forward to. Because this here may be living hell for some of us. It may be hard. It may be rough and all that stuff. But we follow Jesus here because there is a hope that he will wipe away my every tear. That I will be free forever. And so I may live here, but my destination is not here. I am not stuck here. I am only here for a time. And then I am going somewhere else where every single tear will be wiped away. And I will be free forever. And so why I follow Jesus is because I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for the day where I stand before my God and my God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he wipes away my tears and he takes away my pain. And I feel freedom for the first time like I've never felt before. That's why I follow Jesus. But also, it is why I go. It is why I go because there are people in my, my life who need to hear about this Jesus who may or who not may, but who will bring them that freedom, who will wipe away every tear, who will take away their pain if they just follow him. And, and that's why we go, is because Jesus is my everything, and he, and he gives me that promise, and I hope that that's why you choose to go as well. I want to say this, as we live on this earth, as I said, we will face trials. We will face tribulation, you know, all these things. We will go through battles. We will go through wars. But our hope is for that day. It's for that day when we're standing before Jesus. And I hope you're excited for that day. I hope you're, you're waiting in, you know, just some anxious, you're, you're anxiously waiting for that day to come. But as you're anxiously waiting for that day, you're also very focused on your mission while you're here on this earth. Church, why don't you stand with me? Why don't we bow our heads? Let's bow our heads. I, wanna, I want you to, to imagine with me what this moment will be like for you. 
I'm going to read this scripture one more time. Revelation 21, verse 4. Imagine right now standing before God. And this scripture, I'm going to read the scripture, imagine it. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That is the hope of a believer. The hope for that day, when that day comes. Scripture tells us, let's keep our head bowed and our eyes closed. Scripture tells us in Acts 4, verse 12, there is salvation in no other name. Meaning, only people who follow Jesus, who have surrendered their life to Jesus, will have opportunity of that day. And so I want to give you the opportunity to, to give your life to Jesus. So that you can be hopeful for that day when Jesus wipes away every tear, where he, where he takes away all the pain. I want to give you the opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus. So church, if you've never given your life to Jesus and you say, Sean, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to him. I would like you to raise your hand so I can see it. Any person in the room? Anybody else? One, you can put your hand down if you can. Now, maybe you're in this room and you say, Sean, I've, I've prayed that prayer before. I've said some prayers before. And I think I was following God at one time, but somewhere along the path, I've, I've, gone, I've gone astray. I've kind of lost track of where I was going. If you would like to rededicate your life to Jesus, I'd like you to raise your hand at this moment. hands there. Church, what we're going to do is we're going to say this prayer together. And those people who raise your hand, I'd love for you to mean this with everything inside your heart. Church, let's pray. Say, Father, I thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. From this day forward, I will follow you through every circumstance. Forgive me of my sins. Make me like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate for a second, church. Come on. Oh, man, I can't wait for that day. But until that day comes, I'm telling every person that I can about this Jesus. Because he's good, amen? He is good. Not just good, he is great. And so I'm going to tell every person about this Jesus. Prayer team, if you guys could come forward. Um, if you need prayer for anything, we want to encourage you, church, to come forward and receive prayer. If you, if you raise your hand at any, at any of those invitations there, we'd love for you to come forward and get prayer. The prayer team would love to talk to you and pray for you. Um, before we go, I want to say two things. Church, let's go. Let's go and tell the world. We've been told and commissioned by Jesus to go. He, he commanded us to go. It wasn't like a, if you feel like going, we have something to, to share with people, and that is Jesus. The second thing is I want to pray for some people. We've had some people in the church just dealing with some health issues, and I want to pray for them. Um, so let's pray one more time. Let's bow our heads, and we're going to pray. God, we want to pray right now. 
the people in our church family who are struggling right now. You know who they are, God, and all the names and all that. God, I pray right now for healing to come. God, I pray that you would miraculously do an amazing thing, that we would hear of testimonies, of praise reports of how good you are and how faithful you are to us, God. Right now, we ask you to just pour out your spirit on those people, on those families, God, and we pray for 100% healing in the name of Jesus. The name that, that every knee will bow to, we pray that, this, that there would be healing right now. God, we pray also as a church that we would go, we would tell the world about you, and we would do it unashamed. We would do it with a boldness and a confidence. Be with us, God. Give us courage to share your message. God, if we feel like we are unqualified, God, show us that we are qualified because we've been changed by you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for coming. Have a great Sunday. Prison.